0: It comes like a fleeting memory. Whatever you grab just turns just to dust. dust. Like eye contact with a strangers a stranger from the crowd of primitive. It's a dream that you to the pale. The passing note of the song. The glimmer of the see sea. Think you saw it, you Think you see it. Does
1: that sound hollow? Hello? No? You've got no
0: soul. Michael. You've got no soul. <laughs> <laughs> No, you sound good to All me. All right, good. Okay. As as
1: I sound good to you. Yeah, that's, that's what's that's important. What right. <laughs> well. Let's go. Let's go. To Where the are we going? <laughs> Cheers. We going? I can't hear you. To the shores. To the shores. I just had flashbacks of like football or basketball. We're going to the shores. I can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> to the shores. For a- <laughs>
0: nice. I've been re-watching the first two seasons of Ted Lasso. Oh, it yes. just makes me think about them putting their hand around the circle and then when Isaac becomes the captain, he's mm. like Richmond on <laughs> <laughs> twelve. He counts from zero to
1: twelve. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. All right. What's up? Oh man. I think I think we're to just jump into this whole new January sixth stuff. Mm, yeah. It's such a crazy I can't even make sense of it. It's just mostly people's talking around it, the the actual thing itself. Well, and I want to, I want to use this as an example to talk
0: about something that I'm feeling more broadly in the world Mm -hmm. right now. So for anyone who maybe doesn't know yet, uh, the new, I guess, and correct me where I'm wrong here. Mm -hmm. The new Republican (laughs) led house Mm -hmm. has released something like 40,000 hours of security, footage from the Capitol, uh, on, from January 6th. <laughs> <laughs> this is the sound of my dog in the background. <laughs> um, Luca and they gave it to Tucker Carlson, who is a right wing journalist. Hmm. Would you say that's true? He's a, a right wing journalist. Oh, I don't think so. Yeah. Or, he's on, he's like on Fox news. <clears throat> At least part of what he does is on Fox. And so they released a a lengthy segment showing this footage and Tucker Carlson talking about it. So there's a lot that can be said about this. For one thing, I'll just start by saying whatever happened on January 6th is one of the strangest things I've ever seen. Mm. Like I remember being on Twitter that day and watching this sort of thing unfold in real time and it was just bizarre. Um. And then the response to that has been even more and more bizarre. You know, it kind of got gilded into one specific narrative. It got called an insurrection and people said it was an armed insurrection, even though there's never been any evidence that anyone there had guns. Mm -hmm. Um, They said it was violent, which, you know, it was somewhat violent. They said a bunch of people were killed. Only one person was killed. Uh, It was this woman protester, Uh, and she was shot by a policeman there's footage of that online actually it's quite disturbing Um, but then there was also these scenes of like police opening doors to the capitol and people sort of casually strolling in and walking around and then there was this guy that had the (laughs) horns and the face paint and it was all and people were taking pictures inside the capitol it was just very strange Mm -hmm. And, um, so now Tucker releases a bunch more security cam footage that no one's ever seen. Uh, well, I guess two more things that happened in response to January 6th were there was a January 6th committee set up by Congress to look into what happened that day. Mm -hmm. And basically the output of that was Trump should be, uh, charged criminally for his behavior that day. That was their output. Nothing explanatory of the, str- the general strangeness of all of that. Um, I think, didn't they impeach Trump again over that? Probably. Well, no, that wouldn't make sense because he wasn't. No, they did actually. Because mm-hmm. he had already lost the election and was going to be out on January 21st. But I think they got one quick last impeachment in. <laughs> okay. So to catch up to where we are now, I guess yesterday Tucker put out this piece showing all this footage and it just makes the whole situation even more bizarre mm. because the footage inside. So this, this guy with the horn hat, he was nicknamed the QAnon shaman mm-hmm. um, and became kind of the poster boy for the whole incident. And the security footage shows him being escorted throughout the Capitol by anywhere between one and nine policemen at a time. Like they don't ever try to stop him. They're trying to open doors for him. They're trying to, I guess, help him get into the uh, main chambers. Yeah. Yeah, And so it's like, what the crap is that? And, um, a police officer that they said was beaten with a fire extinguisher. Mm hmm. Um, and di- and they originally said he died from that. Mm-hmm. Turns out he died several days later of unrelated causes. He's shown in the security fam, uh, footage after it's supposed, uh, it was alleged that he had been hit by this fire extinguisher and killed, uh, walking around, helping other policemen. So just very bizarre. And the response from the other side of the aisle, the the liberal side or Democrat side, in response to Tucker putting this stuff out was basically to say, you're being un-American and endangering Congress and whatever else, maybe you can fill in some of that. Mm-hmm. their
1: response. <clears throat> well, it was just mostly, it, it had nothing to do with what actually happened. It was more of like... Putting out this footage started to show that the that how it was framed before might not have been exactly accurate, and so I, all the people that I was kind of seeing talking about it, and, and it seemed like their comments were more tangential to the actual content of what was released, right? You know, everything from uh, shots at Tucker Carlson, and you know, most of those were personal, and uh, you know, Schumer kind of. I think you know more about the speech that he made than I do. Well, Schumer called on, is it Murdoch, who owns
0: Fox News, Mm -hmm. to not allow Tucker to continue showing the footage, which is a pretty blatant infringement of the First Amendment. But here's the thing that I want to talk about more broadly, because this is just one example of it. Um, Something bizarre is going on. I have heard almost zero explanation for its bizarreness. Hmm. Why are, why were people let in in the first place? Why were the cops not fighting back? Why was this guy led around the Capitol who was supposedly the poster boy for the armed insurrection, which actually wasn't armed. Um, Like it seems important to get explanations for these kinds of things. Why did Nancy Pelosi turn down the recommendation to increase security at the event ahead of time. Um, I've heard no explanation for these things. And when additional footage comes out, I want to watch it because I want to know what the hell happened. And the immediate response is to add hominem and attack Tucker Carlson and say, even showing the footage is on American. And I'm thinking, what the hell mm-hmm. I feel gaslit constantly and it's this feeling of like what's going on who can we ask to tell the truth who can who's interested in telling the truth
1: or who's even interested in a truth too i mean there's a whole because this i think as you were talking about looking at the broader implications of some of these things when we're talking about the twitter files like that's a big deal and how much right. the fbi and all the three-letter agencies were a part of you know, censoring mm-hmm. um, uh, American citizens. Right. You know, there's there's one thing that you know Twitter is a privately owned company, and and they can do that if they want to. But the government, it's not allowed to. You know, obviously it would be phrased in we made suggestions, but a lot of times in that sense, it's sort of the suggestion is more of a a little bit stronger, <laughs> right, stronger term. And so I think that's another one of those sort of gaslit moments where. Right. So a lot of people were saying on the right, it was like, I feel like I'm being shadow banned. There's something wrong with the, oh, we're not doing any of those things. And then when Elon takes over, we're like, we start to see the evidence of, no, these things were actually happening. You were doing those Mm -hmm. things.
0: Yeah. And that's revealed at Twitter, but we don't know the extent to which that's happening at Facebook or, um, you know, meta with Facebook and Instagram. Um, You know, and then you've got covid Mm -hmm. in that long saga and just recently uh it's been starting it's been verified or not verified uh um strongly what's the word i'm looking for it's it's now okay to talk about the lab leak theory Mm -hmm. and something that came out that i just heard about is that apparently on february 1st of 2020 uh some epidemiologists told Anthony Fauci that it was most likely that it came from this Wuhan lab.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: On February 4th, these same people posted published a study debunking that and saying no, it definitely came from a wet market. There's no evidence to support lab leak theory. Uh, it turns out that Anthony Fauci commissioned them to write that paper Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and then he later referenced that paper and acted acted as if he didn't know who they were Hmm. so what the hell happened will we ever know you know a lot of this was the precondition to the measures and policies that were put in place that we all lived under for over you know a year and a half Mm -hmm. that destroyed many livelihoods that destroyed much of my children's education, mm-hmm. social interaction. Right. <clears throat> and. Okay. So that's another example of this feeling of being gaslit. <clears throat> and when you're feeling that from all over the place, it, it feels, I feel the pressure of it. Like I feel it sucking my energy mm-hmm. out and away. Okay. Like you can't know what's true. Everything's going to be used to spin a political, uh, agenda. Mm. Like you said, who wants to know the truth? I think it's like the left wants to use whatever they can to target Trump. The right wants to use whatever they can to target Biden. Who cares about the truth? Mm -hmm. You know, and I can think of a handful of people that do, and I think most people don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. Like I would say Matt Taibbi, Glenn Greenwald, Barry Weiss, um, Brett Weinstein, Brett Weinstein. Yeah. Um, and these are all left and right. What are you to do Mm -hmm. in, in the face of this demoralizing, uh, bizarre, non-truth based scenarios? Mm -hmm. And I think either you spend a lot of energy trying to sort through it, or you just stop paying attention and hmm. stop caring. And maybe that's the demoralizing nature of it. Is it it's in, it's incentivizing
1: you to stop caring. Hmm. <clears throat> it's interesting. I think there's a part of it too that <clears throat> whenever it reaches a, a an escalation that I think it's kind of coming to right now is that people stop paying attention but they're acting differently in that their trust level of government and officials and, uh, proclamations are, are just less. And I think that's something that it's sort of like the whole silent majority that are kind of active politically. I think that's, they just get tired and they're just going to vote the way that they the way that they think or, th- or they start acting in a way that's more in line with what their principles are rather mm-hmm. than trying to engage in a in a public or public sort of way <clears throat> and i think that's hard because it, i think it takes time and it takes momentum for people to to see these things Because you're not we're not the only ones that have felt that i, I, I see this well i kind of see a couple of responses is one that you know, we've just kind of named a handful of things that we've kind of felt gaslit about right. over the years, uh, and I think most people could maybe name one or two of those. You know, because mm-hmm. we start naming more stuff, it's like you know, Hunter Biden, Russian bots. Like Russian bots were blamed for everything, right? And the Twitter files come out and show that there's very little evidence that Russian bots had any impact, right? Or influence.
0: Facebook said the same thing, actually.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, the war in Ukraine. What the mm-hmm. hell is that about? What yeah. are you up
1: to? What are we doing
0: there? What's what's the right? And it's and then there's a, It's it, like we've spent more money <laughs> there than we spent in all of Vietnam. Yeah, and I didn't know that. That's crazy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, I heard that. Mm-hmm. And I haven't verified it for myself, but yeah. I mean, tens of billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. That yeah, fifty billion. I know at one time. <laughs> yeah, what we're sending over there. To to what wage a proxy war with a with the country with the most nuclear warheads on the planet, mm-hmm. Russia? That's insane. Well, and
1: you, even, you want me to just believe that the intentions are good there? Well, even just the framing of it is that if you're not on board, then you're a pro-Russian and right. You like you like Putin. And it's like no, this this is a lot more complicated than that. Yeah. Uh, I think Eric Weinstein kind of framed something in this area pretty well. I think it was Eric Weinstein. But the idea of you have to look at it from Russia's perspective and the West is is not like there's a sort of like sphere of influence that the West has in this area. And there's a sphere of influence that, the, that, the, that Russia has in this area. And we would just get we get as equally frustrated if Russia sort of transgressed that that sort of influence that we have. Right. And, but that's what we're doing with, to him. So there is, there it's understandable that he would have a reaction to that sort of like, there's a sort of like space it's no man's land where we each kind of have some influence over the space. And once you kind of break that unspoken agreement, that's kind of where the hostilities start to come. And, and again, you can, it's hard because you're also talking about people and uh, countries and, You know and everyone should have the right to determine their own destiny Mm -hmm. you know ideally but that's not how the world works and we would get really frustrated if if russia tried to put like you know nuclear nuclear bombs or work some sort of agreement with mexico or canada right that would be we would say no you're you're sort of having an impact on our security of our borders and we don't we don't like what you're doing like we would have something to say about that yeah i read a transcript of
0: uh putin's last sort of i don't know what they would call it their state of the union or whatever he was addressing the country Mm -hmm. about the war and you know i can understand it Mm -hmm. i can understand his he has a coherent perspective Mm -hmm. i don't agree with it um i don't think what's happening is good or right Mm -hmm. but that's a good point is like you do at least have to attempt to see that perspective if you hope for any positive outcome here yeah. um but no one seems to be attempting to take that perspective i think constance uh chrisson I, I just botched his name but the yeah. guy from trigonometry trigonometry um look him up on twitter he does a really good job of trying to explain those things he's from the ukraine area in mm-hmm. russia um i mean in another big sort of like uh, place that I feel gaslit is from those three unidentified objects that were shot down. The yeah. first one, supposedly a Chinese spy balloon, which mm-hmm. I've seen no evidence for the veracity of that claim, only that that's what it was. I don't, you know, how do you know that? And then the other two, which were, we, we just never got any information about it. Mm-hmm. And wait, what the hell? We have shit in our airspace that we didn't know was there. And then we shot it down and we can't find it. Like that's what you're telling me. And I'm so like,
1: I'm supposed to believe that there's some, there's some ideas. uh, Again, there's a lot of things floating out there that it was, um, sort of like independent research kind of balloons that were, that were out there. I don't know what you call They call them something specific, but kind of like a civilian, Mm -hmm. uh, balloons that were, that actual were shot down, but why not clear all
0: that up? Totally. Like, like, can we not like, you're telling me that you're competent. That Mm -hmm. you can tell me what's going on with COVID, that you can tell me what's going on with Ukraine and Russia, that Mm -hmm. you can say that all this money that you're wanting to spend is good. Um, You're you're acting as though you're competent. Mm -hmm. And yet a Chinese spy balloon gets into our airspace. And not only did you not see it, once you did see it, you didn't shoot it down for like two days. Mm -hmm. And then two more things show up that you didn't see. Okay, we finally found it. And then you shoot it down, and you're telling me that it was just a balloon that somebody made in their backyard? Mm -hmm. And you chose to deploy F-22 Raptors and F-16s and spend how much money shooting missiles at this thing? This is crazy. This does not sound like competence to me. Mm -hmm. So, again, I feel like I'm being gaslit. What the hell?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's... I feel like there's just so many things with, with the amount of information we have on the internet. And I know it's hard to weed through all this stuff and like, what's true, what's untrue. And that's, it's super frustrating, but you know, we're, we're spending so much money on so many things that it just, that just don't make sense anymore. And, you know, everything from, uh, you know, right now we're going through this whole qualitative tightening, tightening, and yet we're going to expand our budget deficit. And then there's this whole thing where you know the U.S. has always paid our bills. It's like, well, you you fucking keep spending more and more money. It's like we can't do that, and it, and it's like there's there's certain logical ideas that that are around money and spending and balance balance sheets and P and Ls that we just think because we've done this for so long that's never going to catch up and it's worked out this far. Mm-hmm. And I know nothing that functions that way, mm. nothing. And I don't, I don't see how our leaders. I feel like we're just, we're just kind of the blind leading the blind, or, or we're trying to produce this alternate reality that, that if we just believe hard enough, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. true. Mm-hmm. Um, you know that anything from the vaccines to I, I saw a guy today was being interviewed. Uh he disagreed with the uh the the person who was interviewing them and was telling them why. And the guy was like, Well, why don't you get the fifth vaccine? You've only got three. He's like, Well, I don't really need it. Uh you know, he's kinda of giving all these excuses, but he was getting mad at the the reporter for not uh for you know providing misinformation and called him like a twit or something like that. Mm. <laughs> I think this is in Canada. <clears throat> And the guy's like, well, it sounds like you're giving misinformation because if, if it is something that we all need to do, then you should have your fifth vaccine. Why is that not something you're doing? He's like, oh, well, it's just not a high priority. It's like, Well, it should be a high priority if if it does do all the things you just said it did. But the there's they're coming out and saying that it's not as effective as they once thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Is this recent? Yeah, it was just okay. a, it was just a guy on the street but it was just the more the interaction was really interesting maybe this is part of the problem like when you
0: just said the word misinformation Mm -hmm. i just like cringed and recoiled and i thought like that's not a word that's ever been used Mm -hmm. until probably what the 2016 election when the the claims of russian interference in the election started coming out and then it sort of gained full steam around Mm -hmm. covid and i'm I guess in some sense, when that word started to be used, it sounded like it had some utility. Mm -hmm. Um, But why did we start deploying that rather than saying, well, that's true and that's not true? Mm -hmm. Like, what does misinformation even mean? It almost seems like a way to gaslight you even more. Like, you're going to say something, and I'm not going to make a claim of truth. I'm just going to make a a claim of misinformation. What is it that I'm even trying to say? Totally, you know, it's and, and the conversation becomes more complicated, not less complicated. So you don't have to attack anything that I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Like if you, say, if I say to you, uh, the the Corona COVID nineteen virus ri- originated in the Wuhan lab, it leaked out of the lab, and you say, well, that's misinformation. You are clouding, clouding, muddying the water rather than clarifying by saying that's not true. And then I can say what part of that is not true, mm. you know, that it leaked out of the lab or that it mm. came from the lab or, or intentionally. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Deploying. so it's, it's used as a way to dismiss rather than a way to clarify. And I think that that's
1: part of what's making the world feel mad, like crazy. Yeah. There's a, there's more of the hyperbole and, and, and attacking the ad hominem attacking character rather than actually addressing the issues of
2: mm-hmm.
1: I think the way you said that was really good in that instead of saying, okay, what part of this is not true? Let's what's let's, let's dig in. You know, because there that was interesting because the conversation I was talking about earlier between this reporter and this uh this bystander is they started getting into the specifics of it. Mm-hmm. Well, we thought it was more It it had more effect on the earlier strands, but has less effect now. Well, okay. Well, you just called this guy, you know, saying he's spreading misinformation, but if it doesn't have much effect on these later strands, then what he was saying was not necessarily misinformation. Well, isn't that the problem is
0: you can't define
1: what misinformation is. (laughs) Well, there's mal misinformation and disinformation, which so let's run through that really quick. I, the, I the forgot the, I the that. The Department of that Homeland somewhere. Security put mm-hmm. out
0: definitions for misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation. And misinformation is information that's incorrect, but you are unintentionally incorrect. Mm. Okay, disinformation yeah. is information which is incorrect and you are intentionally incorrect. Mm. And then malinformation is information which is correct, but is
1: used to
0: discredit
1: the government. Yeah. It's based on fact, but used out of context. It's super harm or manipulate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's,
0: uh, yeah, it's very Orwellian. Hmm. And the DHS put that out as definitions f- for domestic terrorism So all three of those things are considered domestic terrorism. But I think in sort of like the common usage of the word misinformation is like, it's just simply used to dismiss. It's not used to clarify and you can use it. And I can't really fight back because I don't really know what you're saying. And you don't really know what you're saying. Mm. You're just saying you're right and I'm wrong. And I should defer to you Mm. rather than have continue the conversation.
1: Well, it was the same thing with when they kicked Trump off because they couldn't kick Trump off of Twitter with their current sort of guidelines. And so it was something about, correct me if I'm wrong, something about who you're associated with on Twitter too, that if you were associated with, uh, this is in the Twitter files. I read too much of it, but, Hmm. um, but they changed it to where, no, I'm going to screw this up and it's not going to be, that's going to be misinformation. (laughs) (laughs) But basically they had to change the, the, the criteria, but that same criteria could be used almost anybody. Like if you had somebody that that was following you that was associated with something, uh, you know, like maybe January 6th or something like that, mm. then they could use that sort of like, well, you're incite, inciting this action by your comments because these people were in your feed, or um, there's also some uh who's it the suing YouTube, I think, or somebody on YouTube. <sighs> Yeah, no. yeah. I mean, I know the January sixth thing was used
0: mm-hmm. by Twitter and Meta to remove him from those um,
1: accounts. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was going to say something, I forgot. Well, I think too is like, I mean, because there's there's, a, there's another side of this too, like where you know Trump, he would just say these super ridiculous things, but for some reason, like whenever I, I was listening to Trump, I was like, it's like, well, you're kind of ridiculous. when he would would say ridiculous things and he's always been ridiculous. He's always been like over the top and ridiculous. So you kind of like expect it, but it's almost as if you, when you watch the movie, you're like, Oh, I'm watching a movie where I feel like there's this other aspect where we're watching these things that are trying to make themselves nonfiction. Hmm you know, or, or portray themselves as nonfiction where like Trump, he's kind of, I just kind of see him as like a fictional character. <laughs> yeah. You know, maybe that's just me. I don't know. So I don't really mm-hmm. like give a lot who of who sometimes to, interacts to with reality. Yeah, exactly. You
0: said something about um, having to redefine the community guidelines in order to get him off. And that is true. That's well documented. Yeah. So he didn't violate community guidelines. They changed the gui- community guidelines so that what he did was violative, which Mm -hmm. is to rewrite reality. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And it's something that's happening fairly broadly right now in other areas of life. Mm -hmm. I was listening to uh, a news report this morning that I guess in in California, somewhere, maybe in San Francisco, carjackings are a a massive problem. Mm -hmm. Like, people's cars are getting broken into like constantly Mm -hmm. to the, to the point where people are just leaving their windows and doors open when they go away from their car so Mm -hmm. that people won't break their windows. Mm -hmm. Um, and the response to this from the, I guess the AG's office, they are trying to implement new policy, which will lessen the, uh, sentencing consequences of carjacking, so we've got a carjacking problem, so essentially we're just going to redefine what carjacking is and make it less of a crime, then we'll have less crime.
2: Hmm.
0: Still, same number of cars will get broken into, but we won't be classifying it the same way, so we're fixing the problem. I mean, I've heard, I think, uh, somebody say that in Venezuela, they had a... Um, so many children were do- dying of starvation and their solution to that was to make it illegal for a doctor to put starvation on a death certificate. Hmm. So now you've solved the starvation problem. Now we don't have as many kids dying of starvation, at least in the documents. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw that with this, the death of COVID too. Like, yes. Yeah. Right. We should all be really afraid of COVID. So let's make every death a COVID death. Mm-hmm. Um, there seems to be a willingness of those in charge to simply redefine categories to fit with the message that they would like to disseminate. And that's another form of gaslighting that makes everybody feel absolutely crazy. Mm. Um, and I, I see it as sort of happening everywhere and maybe that's just a, uh, <laughs> whatever phase of civilization we're in right mm-hmm. now, which, you know, we might be on the way down. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, maybe that is a, a common facet of this phase is like things aren't the way that we want them to be. So let's redefine the definitions to fit what we see. Hmm. And I, I remember you, we had a conversation about this a couple of weeks ago that just the destruction of categories as a response to the failed utopia.
2: Hmm.
0: If things aren't the way that you want them to be, then change the categories the definition of the categories that they're in and now what used to be bad isn't bad anymore. Mm-hmm.
1: It really is kind of mind numbing cause it then becomes hard to talk about things, you know, and, and one of the basic one is like, right. what is, what is a woman? What is a man? Right. You know, why do we have women's sports in the first place? Uh, you know, um, Oh shoot. There's another thing too. I just find that there's like again kind of going back to the categories being redefined. We don't know if you can't have a, a you can't have an actual conversation about something because you're not talking about the same things. And I think that's one thing with the comics right now. I've seen three major Chris Rock, uh Bill Burr and Chappelle all three address abortion hmm. in a way that I was like, "Wow, that's kind of refreshing. It's like we're not arguing about all the things that are that surround abortion." Right because it gets so convoluted and they're really talking about two different things outwardly, but it's really the same thing if you just kind of look at it on the surface. And I feel like, I feel like they've kind of done that really well uh, through comedy as far as like, just like, you know, you know, you're, you're killing a baby, you know, it's like, <laughs> I think Bill Burr's part about, you know, you're baking a cake and someone takes the cake out of the oven, throws it on the floor. It's like, what'd you do to buy cake? It's like, well, it wasn't done yet. It wasn't a cake. It wasn't a cake yet. Yeah. You know,
0: well, like, it was gonna be it gonna be a cake <laughs> until you came along and yeah. did
1: what you just did. And it was like you know, yeah, I have a toll. I mean, women have the right to do with with their body, but let's not fool ourselves. It's like you're killing a baby. You know, it's like this. You know, that's 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 what you're doing. You know, it's like
0: yeah. I mean, I, I said to somebody recently that I think comedy might be the highest art form hmm.
1: because
0: it it's the first sort of place of mediation between our blindness, our absurd blindness, hmm. our absurd voluntary blindness and reality. Yeah. So we get so mixed up in our, our pursuit of the redefinition of things in order to bend reality to the, the way we'd like to, we'd like it to be. And then comedy comes along and shows us, no, you're not seeing that right. Mm. You're being willfully blind there Mm. and you know, you are because you're laughing and you're laughing because you see the truth that you're you were trying to ignore. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, things like song and art do a really good job of moving emotional content. But that line of mediation between blindness and reality is illuminated through comedy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, we had somebody knocking at the door. <laughs> Was that enough? Okay, we're back. <laughs> we had a little inter- interruption there. <laughs> totally. Which is starting to become common. Uh-huh. Okay. Can we get back into it? We were talking about comedy. Oh, yeah. Mediating the line between blindness and reality. Hmm. Uh, and I, you were talking about Bill Burr, uh, Chris Rock, and Dave Chappelle mm-hmm. seeming to... Uh, have really
1: important contributions to that process. Yeah. It's just more of because it is so extreme and so hard to hear, but they do in a way that you kind of feel almost heard and on both sides of the issue. Right. Like it's, it's, it's w- the woman's choice, what she does with her body. It's like, yes. And then on the other side where it's pro-life that, you know what you are killing a baby. Mm-hmm and i feel like it's it's framed more accurately than how i think a lot of pro life and and pro choice they talk past each other cuz they're not talking about the same things and and i think that's i think that's what's happening i see that so much with republicans and democrats a, a lot is that they just they try to reframe the question in a way that their answer is correct but they're not talking about the same things mm-hmm. You know, whether it be climate, whether it be the poor, homeless, the border, the border, it's all about rephrasing it in a way that you, you almost can't disagree with them, but they're not talking about the same things. Right. And so they, then they frame the other person's point of view based on how they are framing the question. You know, I mean, for example, just a little bit overblown, but, you know, you know, we need to to remove the homeless off of the streets in front of businesses. And then the other side would be like, do you not care about people? Do you just think you can eradicate the homeless and it'll solve all of our problems? Where are they going to go from there? It's like, well, those are two different problems. Like one is like, if you're going to have a, a, a prospering business, uh, area, hmm. you can't have homeless people sleeping in front of this door, doors and, the smell of urine everywhere it's it's not going to help your businesses to thrive which pays the taxes which provides goods for people you can't have shoplifters coming into your stores and taking your stuff Uh, even though walmart says it's not because of the kind of the lawlessness in portland but there's not going to be any more walmart's in the portland area Hmm. and they say that's not because of that it's just a poor performing store (coughs) but but we kind of I think everyone kind of knows why they're (laughs) shutting their doors Mm -hmm. or, you know, CVS or Walgreens. And well, it reminds me of Thomas soul's quote when he says,
0: there's no such thing as solutions. There are only Mm. trade-offs. And I think that there are some people. So like the, the homeless problem in San Francisco, Mm. Michael Schellenberger has a really good grasp on that. Mm. Uh, And he actually has, productive trade-off based solutions. And some of it is actually like correcting some of the redefinition that we've been doing. So he says, we don't have a homelessness problem. We have a drug addiction problem. Mm. The homelessness is a symptom of Mm. that. And so you can't solve the problem by giving people houses. Mm. Um, The, the problem with a, to see things based on trade-offs takes nuance and nuance takes time Mm. to understand and to consider and we're living in a world in which we consume all of our information in 140 characters or 60 second instagram reels Mm -hmm. and actual productive trade-off base trade-off based policy takes time Mm. and people don't give the time. And so I see like Michael Schellenberger ran for governor, I think of California and he lost. And I think most people don't know who he is,
2: hmm.
0: even though he's somebody who gives me hope. Yeah. And I wonder how we solve something like that. I, um,
1: hmm. well, in, this, well, I in this area, there's also like, I mean, it, it also has to do with business. So if, I pay my barista's more, that means I need to pay my managers more. That means I need to pay my upper management more because it's 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 a trade-off that you know, you have these different positions that require different skills and different time frames of training that you need. Like a barista takes less time to train than a manager takes, and a manager takes less time to train than an upper management person takes. And You know, if if the barista starts making more than the manager, then you're not going to have very many managers (laughs) because I go, why would I take on this responsibility if I'm not going to be rewarded, you know, to compensate for that, that, that responsibility. And so I think that's the part that we don't see is, is there's, there's more, there's, there's a lot more nuance and it's not just as simple as raising the minimum wage to $25 because that doesn't just affect the minimum wage worker right? that then leads up. The, and so who ends up paying that? Well, the customer has to end mm-hmm. up paying that because mm-hmm. or else the business goes out of business. Right. There's, it's not a charity where you have people donating to your coffee shop to, <laughs> to keep it in business. Yeah. And so I think there's just, there's just a lot of misunderstandings of, of the trade-offs that we have to have in our society in order to have a productive Society and that's always in in tension too, and it's something that we're always trying to correct. Uh, You know, whether it be like, you know, let's get rid of all fossil fuels. Well, how are we going to mine the copper that needs to go into your phone? Well, you need fossil fuels for that. You need large equipment that can't run off of solar batteries yet. You know, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, how are you going to bring uh, the goods that you need? from other countries. It's like, you're going to sell it on a sailboat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we just don't understand the, Like, well, maybe we, maybe we can cut some of that over time, but it has to be something that I, I just saw a Louis, uh, uh, who's the Bitcoin lady from Wisconsin. I mean, uh, from Wyoming, Loomis, Senator I don't know. Loomis. <clears throat> well, she was making a comment about talking about Bitcoin mining. And she made this point of like, well, why, why is, using energy for Bitcoin mining less important than you charging your car. Mm-hmm. And because you need these gas or coal or whatever it might be plants in order to produce the charge to, to, to run your car, Right. you know, is that, is that more efficient for us to use gas and coal on that way? Or is it, or, you know, what's the use case of, um you know with bitcoin mining is a, is a better use of energy but it's not that the just because you're charging your electrical car doesn't mean that you know gas and oil is not being used to provide that luxury right <clears throat> and so yeah it's a tra- it's there's a, there's just so many trade-offs that we have to be realistic about and actually deal with and not just ignore the realities that we have hmm. so or even dealing with the poorer poor countries, poor countries. If we, if you, you know, I think Alex Epstein talks a lot about this stuff too, is, you know, there's a, there's a trade off. If you get rid of, you know, gas and natural gas and oil, you know, poor countries are going to suffer more than, you know, your, your more affluent countries like in the West and stuff. Right. So, Well, here in the back half, can we can we do
0: a, a quick gear change? Shoot, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know where this conversation is going to go, but I, I know the emotional impetus for it. So I ran across this video of Kanye, <laughs> and I'm going to play it. You, you haven't heard this, to my knowledge. No, you,
1: you can't explain it to me. Though. Yeah.
0: Um. Hopefully, the mic will pick this up.
1: Let's go off the phone with Kim. I told her to stop antagonizing me with this TikTok thing. I said, it's never again. I am her father. I know y'all don't respect fathers and the idea of family and media tries to promote something. I said, I'm not allowing my daughter to be used by TikTok, to be used by Disney. Uh, I have a say-so. And then when people say, "Are they going to use this for you in court I don't even I didn't have a say so on whether or not they went to Sierra Canyon most men do not there's no such thing as
2: 50-50 custody with with in society today that's not, that's not even
1: it always leans towards the mom but right now and I'm happy that you guys got to see just a small piece of what I dealt with you understand what I'm saying let's go I love it. We haven't been controversial enough on this uh, hmm. this, this podcast <laughs> yet to, to bring Kanye
2: in. <laughs>
0: well, and I, so I'm not bringing this up because I want to talk about Kanye. Hmm. I'm bringing it up because I want to talk about briefly about divorce and fatherhood, hmm. and I play you that clip because when it came up on my feed or whatever, I I don't know almost anything about what he's talking about with I I can glean some things and I'll tell you what I understand here in a second but Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what I was responding to in that clip and I watched it probably eight times in a row is his emotional state Hmm. and I resonated Hmm. with it I know exactly how he feels and I never Th- thought that I would ever be in a place to say that I could relate with Kanye West. <laughs> I mean, his music is art. Yes. But as a person, um, there's, you know, we were talking, we've been talking about the idea of gaslighting and the, the demoralization that occurs. And what I heard in his voice is a helpless, angry demoralization. Hmm. And <clears throat> It's hard to parse that exactly because he's angry, but he's also helpless and also cognizant that to the extent that he expresses what he's feeling, he's putting himself at risk legally. And that is the awful demoralization of being a divorced father Mm. in America. Mm. And I know it because I'm living it. And so I just wanted to bring it
1: up here briefly and and talk a bit about that. I think you might need to kind of expand on that if if you're, if you're wanting to, because why is it that specifically maybe men are being demoralized in this that have been divorced and with kids Mm -hmm. and that actually want to spend time and raise their kids or co-parent, right? Why is it specifically men and not both men and women that, feel demoralized feel demoralized right because the
0: the default position of the courts and to my understanding this this is downstream of the introduction of no fault divorce Hmm. because a divorce is a lawsuit so if you are married and you want to get divorced you file a lawsuit against your partner Mm -hmm. to end the marriage um Because you're essentially breaking a contract Hmm. after no fault divorce, which is just like you can get divorced whenever you want. The court system adopted the position that the mother is the important parent and the and the mother needs to have the most time with the children and needs to be supported financially in order to do that. So the importance of the father becomes the child support money. And I, when I got divorced, I did go to court and I fought with everything that I had to have 50% custody of my kids. First of all, I think I had to talk to four lawyers before I found one that would agree to take that position. In court, hmm. that I wanted fifty percent custody because
1: why, why the yeah.
0: because they said it's not going to happen. You hmm. won't get that. Um, I did get it, hmm. and my the lawyer that I ended up hiring at, once I got it was like, this is a massive win,
2: hmm.
0: and um, so the position I think that fathers are put in is and women. This is both. It's bad for both, but it's bad differently. So. Hmm because that's the position that the courts take any lawyer that works with a woman in divorce is going to say, you are entitled to all this time with your kids and you are entitled to all this money from your husband. It doesn't matter. Financial inequity doesn't come into the equation. I mean, it does in some way, but, um, that's the, before you add any other variables, that's the default position. Kids are going with mom. Money's going from dad to mom. Hmm. um, So if you are a father and let's say you get divorced and you get some time with your kid and you get, you know, some 25% of your income going to your ex and you care, the leverage is all on the side of the mom legally to make decisions. So in this clip, my understanding is that Kanye is upset that Kim Kardashian is putting their daughter on TikTok and he's saying, I don't want my daughter on TikTok. I don't want her being used by these corporations. She's obviously very famous already by virtue of her parents. And Mm
2: -hmm.
0: he doesn't want her being manipulated like that. Um, But Kim's doing whatever she wants to the extent that he feels like he doesn't have a voice telling Kim. He also can't tell anyone else because legally he's on, he's not on the right side of the leverage. And so what's, You know, what I was told constantly by my lawyer is everything that happens in your life, take notes. Because if you end up back in court, you're going to need it to prove that you are a good father and you deserve to be around your kids. Mm. I don't think women are under that kind of pressure. Mm. And what I resonated with when I watched that clip from Kanye is that helplessness and anger that I can't protect my kids in the way that I want to. And legally, I'm on the back foot, and my money is going to her. And maybe it would be easier, since I can't say out loud what I want to say, maybe it would just be easier for me to go away. Hmm. My contribution to the kids is the money that I pay to the woman. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I think that's what you see historically, is in divorce men check out and they go away mm-hmm. because they feel demoralized and their value is replaced with a legal
1: monetary support obligation. And I've, I've just in the people that I've known uh men that I think are uh, that are good fathers, you know, off the top of my head right now I can think of five. There's a, there's a lot more than that, but i can think of one person specifically it just sort of like kind of gave up after fighting and fighting and fighting and yeah. fighting and it was like finally like just okay you take the kids and i'll pay my obligation right i'm just done trying to fight on this all these things like in my experience on this on this side of it is that a lot of times men just give up and again, there's a lot of there's a whole lot of like shitty ass people out there, but I'm talking about men who well, want to be a part and of and this. This is kid's why life. I wanted
0: to talk about it, is because mm-hmm. I think we tend to think that, well, men are shit and yeah. they abandon their kids. Totally. And what I'm seeing here mm-hmm. that I'm relating to in Kanye is you no, know, there's a really unique struggle going on that's so demoralizing mm-hmm. that eventually how like how long can you withstand it? Mm. Eventually you give up. Mm-hmm. And I'm I mean, I said I wouldn't give up, Mm -hmm. but it's sort of like, before I got divorced, I didn't understand things like anxiety. Mm. I also didn't understand things like suicide. Mm. And that was the hardest year of my life. And I finally understood those things. Mm. I finally was close enough to them to say, oh, I see it now. Mm. And I feel that way about giving up. Yeah. I see it. Hmm. I see why you would. Mm -hmm. And I hear it in Kanye's voice. And I've heard it in my voice when I've had conversations with close close friends. It's hard. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I think in general, the women are not on that same playing field because they're like, you're legally obligated to pay me this money. And if you don't i'll just take the kids more and if you don't you're not going to be able to take out a loan or buy a house or like you're going to be royally fucked and prison i think is part of it too. eventually i think Mm so and so like they don't have any reason to compromise Mm. they don't have any reason to listen to what the men have to say and it is (laughs) the 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 one of the i think core Values of men is what we have to say. If we can't be heard, then we're useless. Mm. I mean, it goes back to like a fundamental evolutionary biology stand from, from that uh, evolutionary biology standpoint, women have inherent value because they produce offspring. Men don't. Mm. We have to prove our value. Mm. So what we have to say matters to us and it matters to the world too but i think when you tell a man you're not allowed to speak it's very damaging Mm. and you know maybe the the pathological evidence of that is that in general you might say well it's men historically it's men who speak and women who are silenced
2: Mm.
0: and maybe that's the pathological effect of that Mm -hmm. but it doesn't change the core truth which is Kanye has something to say and no one's listening. And those who are listening are saying you better shut up or you're going to get fucked in court. Mm. And that puts you in such a demoralized state that you might as well just delete the numbers and go away. Mm. And I know, you know, that happened with, I've known people in my life that that's happened to. And so I'm wondering if I want to try to like make some (laughs) general observations about this or stay in this sort of like personal emotional state, but maybe tying it back to the idea of destruction of categories or the the need to see categories anew through comedy um, to correct. There's a lot to say and think about Kanye, but maybe consider that he's going through that. There's a lot to say about men in general. Yeah, they abandon their assholes. But also we incentivize them too Mm. with the way that our structure is set up. And consider the silent struggling that's going on with your divorced friends and with their kids. You know, I think I've also known a lot of kids who've been very angry at their dads. Hmm. Kids of divorce have been very angry with their dads. And from this vantage point, I think there's a lot that you didn't understand
2: Hmm.
0: about what went down. And I would love to see that changed. Yeah. And I think that there's a change that needs to happen from a legal level, a policy level. Like, I don't know if it's going back to at fault divorce or if we just need to somehow specify that it isn't the default position that when people are divorced, kids go with mom, money goes to mom. Mm. There are some states who are stopping that now. Oh, interesting. And the default position is 50-50 custody, no money exchanged. Mm. And I think that that would make a world of difference.
1: Well, I wonder how much to that incentivizes divorce in that. Oh, it definitely, the
0: the current state.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I think most divorces are initiated by women
2: mm-hmm.
0: and part of that is that incentive structure. Yeah. You know, you're struggling with your marriage, go ahead and get divorced. He's going to owe you money for 18 years. Mm-hmm. You'll be good. You're going to keep your kids. Yeah. You can cut him out and he's, uh, obligated to you. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: So why not? Yeah. You know, which is, which is sad. I mean, I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of this, like the, the positive and negatives that, you know, prior, I know a lot of other religious situations, I think women sometimes were trapped in, uh, in marriages that they couldn't get out of. Yeah. because men held all the control right and if you if you left the marriage then you were destitute basically and you know you kind of come into our modern era that we've almost kind of overcorrected in a way that that incentivizes women to To divorce because it is, it's in their favor Mm -hmm. now where, so, I mean, so either of those systems, I can see the negative aspects of it. It's like more of like, how should we do this going forward into the future? And there has to be consequences. Anytime you come under a contractual agreement, you know, whether you believe in God or not, or, or a document, you know, you, you come under a contractual agreement And if nothing else, your kids are a proof of that contractual agreement. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like it's it's a living display and you can't you'd be foolish to say that it is better for kids to be raised by one parent or the other. It is better for kids to be raised by both parents, by their father and their mother. Uh, I don't think that I think I've seen and heard this tried to be disputed. But I don't, find, I don't see any evidence of that, whether it be anecdotally or um, psychologically or, or however, whatever kind of studies you want to run on, on this. I haven't seen any sort of benefit from kids being raised by solely one parent or the other. Uh, there are some statistics so as far as like kids, as they get older, they need their father and kids when they're younger, they need their mother. Like, yeah. There there are some statistics on that kind of stuff.
0: Right. <laughs> Well, my understanding is, is that the evidence is really clear. Mm-hmm. Being raised by your biological parents is the best in terms mm-hmm. of outcomes for kids. Being raised with two parents, one of each sex, is next best. Mm-hmm. And then there's all kinds of data making you know sort of predictions about. Are you talking about like other uh, like female, female, male, male? Oh, I hadn't gotten to that oh, okay. yet. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, no, that's not as good as male female, mm-hmm. and and male female isn't as good as biological male female. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, in terms of metrics, like how likely are they to drop out of school? How likely are they to commit suicide? How long? How likely are they to? Um, I'm not sure what what all they are, but just mm-hmm. sort of any any way that you could sort of say, yeah, well, this is better than this. Obviously, like it's mm-hmm. better to stay in school than to not stay in school. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to, to, to your point, it would be better if marriages didn't end, it would be Mm -hmm. better for children. Mm -hmm. And if they do end, it would be better if kids could spend as much time with each parent as possible. Yeah. And we should, as a society, support that. Mm. Now, there are some modifications to that on the edges right like you know if there's a divorce and there's a 3 month old baby that baby needs to be with its mom presumably she's its sustenance you know she's mm-hmm. feeding it um so like yeah I get a case for that yeah but for the majority of the sort of 0 to 18 years they need to be with both parents yeah ideally together in the same home but if they can't be it needs to be equally with both parents and the evidence to support
1: that is pretty clear. Well, you even think about and again, let's, let's take out any sort of religious context to this, but I find, I find that if you look evolutionary, how we've moved towards more of a monogamous relationship in most of the world, where it's a, a, a mother and a father raising a child and marriage and that kind of stuff that is kind of formulated out of culture. I don't think it was by accident. And there's a lot of, you can talk about all the, like, the negative things that have also come from this, but I feel like it's something that we've been taught by nature itself. Like humans take the longest to develop. Most <laughs> Most animals, whenever they come out of the womb, they're good within like, you know, three days or, right. or hours. Right. <laughs> but not humans. Humans take a long time to develop. And, and I feel like we've kind of worked this system out over the millions of years or thousands, you know, however long you want to kind of look at this time frame, that we've kind of worked it out that it's best if we have this thing where two people commit to each other and they have kids and they raise sort of like an optimal, <laughs> optimal child, you Right. Know? and a lot of that's kind of come into question today and i think we're we're going to see a lot of the consequences of us trying to change what we've learned over the millennia Mm -hmm. and i think that's a i think that's a problem and i think that's something we're not gonna we're not going to actually accept until we've played this new experiment out (laughs) which is not a new experiment it's an old experiment (laughs) yeah
0: yeah, I mean, I think there's been a lot of people sounding the alarm about this for a long time.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I'm blanking on the guy's name. He wrote a book called The Boy Crisis. And oh, then yeah. Abigail Schreier wrote a book called Irreversible Damage. And Deborah So has done a lot of work on childhood development and, and sexuality. And Brett and Heather Weinstein have mm-hmm. really taken a deep look at, at uh, specifically what's coming to mind is the way that social media is affecting mm-hmm. childhood development. Mm-hmm like having a permanent on-hand record of yourself as you are changing Mm. is not healthy. Mm. And so people have been sounding the alarm about these sorts of things for a long time. Um, To my knowledge, I would say at least eight years. Mm -hmm. I think we'll start to, I hope we'll start to change. We'll start to have open discussions about this. But then I think maybe to to go back to the beginning of our conversation, it seems like every important issue isn't being addressed. It's being used to gaslight. And Mm. that makes me feel demoralized all over again. Like, can we get to a better place? Does anyone want to get to a better place? Mm. Because yes, I think we can. Like we're living in an age where we have much more powerful tools than have ever been at anyone else's disposal in all of human history.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Can we use those to make the world a better place? And everyone's claiming that that's what they're trying to do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But I don't, I don't see that. Yeah, I just see claims of moral virtue. Mm-hmm. I don't see claims of truth, you know, or, or even lie. I don't see claims of
1: lie. I see the word misinformation. Or even that you showed me this. Uh, what, was it? what was her name that she's showing her life as not having kids? Chelsea Handler. Chelsea handler. Yeah. And it was just really, I mean, kids are not for everyone, but it was really just just kind of sad to to watch that yes, that is for some people, but that's not for most people. Hmm. Most people, and this is again, this is a evolutionary biology thing, are are intended to reproduce. Yeah. And there's something about kids that do change you it's the hardest and greatest thing you'll ever do. Right. And it's not for everyone, but it's for most people. Yeah. And I think that that statement has been lost. It's, it's sort of like where having kids is for some people, but not most people. And there's something that's ingrained and built in us biologically that having kids actually matures us and grows us accountability, responsibility, hmm. You start to you start to take on things. Well, most right. people don't. No, I don't want to say most people.
0: There are, well, Chelsea Handler is an example of this.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: She would say, well, I don't want to mature and grow. Yeah. I'm quite happy doing exactly what I want all the time, mm-hmm. which is an immature position. Yeah. Like, that's not a productive position. It's not a position which contributes to anyone. Mm. That's what makes it immature. Mm. That's the the Peter Pan. Exactly. <laughs> that's Peter Pan. Yeah.
1: It's so hard because I, when I, as we're talking about all these things, I can hear all the arguments mm-hmm. against what we're talking about, but it's not convincing. It doesn't. And that's the part is like, we're, we're being gaslit to think that our, our lives and our future should consist of certain things that are not actually fulfilling yeah. for most people. And that is for most people, having kids and 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 marriage and having a plan for the future and working towards that together with somebody in life is 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 what we're sort of programmed to do, and to work against that programming is I think there's a, there's a lot that we we miss out. There's a certain maturity that we don't are not able to actually grasp without those things. Hmm. This is such a hard conversation, honestly. Yeah, like, I can it think is. of all the like. There's there's exceptions, but I'm not talking about exceptions. I'm well, talking about what is more. Well, we're talking about
0: essentially the validity of very deep core institutions like marriage. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, well, maybe you should go even higher and ask yourself the question, like, what is the purpose of civilization?
2: Hmm.
0: Like what's the fundamental purpose?
2: Yeah.
0: Um, Brett and Heather actually talked about this on the back end of one of their recent episodes. Uh, Maybe I can find it and put it in the show notes, but Mm -hmm. they ask that question and say, what's the fundamental purpose of civilization? And I think Brett responds to provide a stable environment for it to move forward into the future. Mm. And I think, okay, that's kind of hard to dispute. And to the extent that either it doesn't provide a stable environment or it doesn't move into the future, well then it is corrupt and is going to disintegrate. Mm. And if civilization disintegrates, like, are you okay with that? You know, it's if everybody gets to be who exactly they want to be and, You know, everybody gets to drink wine exactly when they want to drink it and, Mm. you know, prioritize their own needs and desires over having children. If that causes civilization to disintegrate, are you okay with that? You know, it's like, well,
1: maybe you are. Well, I think there is that sentiment out there. It's it's that sort of like like humans are a plague on this planet. And there's, there's a lot of that sort of, uh, that sort of sentiment out there. But I I think that, I think that's just really a false way of, of framing. Yeah. And there's something really beautiful about humans and what we have to provide and to be stewards of our, our home, our gardens, our cities, and to move them into the future that makes the world a better place for those who are going to come after us and for those who are here now and for here now but yeah. i think it's i think there's something about framing it in the generations not my kids my grandkids mm-hmm. you look at the world a completely different way when you think about your grandkids right or two or three generations into the future you're willing to sacrifice some things today in order for your kids to have a better future and we had, we, I think we had a better sense of this, it seems anyways, you know, 50, 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago. Like, like people would make drastic changes just to have a better future for their kids. Mm-hmm. And you see that in the immigrants that come to the United States more recently is we're in a shitty situation. I'm going to make this sacrifice and it's going to be really hard, but I'm going to provide a better future for my kids That's a huge sacrifice, you know. Yeah, to leave your home and go to a foreign land, Mm -hmm. and you don't know what's what's going to happen. What's going to come from this? It could end up really bad. Right. So,
0: well, that's a pretty heavy, huge subject (laughs) that we just sort of scratched on. Yeah, yeah. Let's leave it there. Yeah. Let's not try to make too much sense of it. Totally. (laughs) It is the entire civilization, after all. I don't think we can crack it in simple one episode. Well, cheers uh, yeah. to the shores of much in- ignorance <laughs> of much in- ignorance exactly thank you guys for yeah. listening thank y'all love you out there i i was thinking today uh about how we always say love you at the end of this episode of these episodes i'm glad that we say that because i actually mean it if like whoever funny, you are I think
1: about that it's true
0: if you're listening to this
1: mm-hmm. my love to you totally yeah whether you agree with us or not or struggling with different parts of it it's like we love you it's awesome yeah you're sharing in this human
0: experience with us in this Mm -hmm. conversation so yeah thanks for being here awesome
2: bye bye